Good. I mean, hey, you want to sure. go ahead and uh, start yeah, with the episode? Start. We should start. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't All right. much. No, no, it's fine. We, we've we gone on for long stretches before starting the actual episode before, and this is this is a very mild case of that. Uh, yeah, well, no, so I, this hello. is something I do all the time. Hello! This podcast is recommended for mature listeners. It may contain descriptions of violence, thematic content, and immature language. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is mature listeners Hello and welcome to Mature Listeners, the audio eulogy for the Vertigo Comics line. I'm Neil, here without Shane, but with our special guest. He is returning to the feed, but not to this exact show. We've got Trevor Hagelbon Strunk. Hi, I'm really happy to be back. And last time... Last time I sort of threw a curveball at you by asking you to define the Afebang, which I understand was a it was a bit of a rude move. So I'll go with something simpler this time. Could you give us a, a sort of summary of the ludology narratology debate? Oh, so uh, well, I can give you a version of it. So like, uh, so I uh, my background, if you guys don't know, is I have a uh, PhD in literature, and I also have a much a much more relevant. Uh, than my PhD in literature podcast on video games. Um, and uh, I uh, basically video games vis-a-vis literature are, you know, is exactly this narratology versus ludology debate or has been. Uh, that's been sort of like the main uh, attraction. I find that whole thing kind of dull, uh, but it is extremely important too. Um, so like basically, basically the idea is the idea with, uh, narratology and ludology is narratology is just this uh basically the the study of narration and and narratives and how narratives work it's actually an extremely complicated study field of study but like you can simplify it down to saying like well well, you know if you uh, simply speaking there's a plot there's a climax there's characterization and stuff um but can we can we uh can we make it any clearer what narratives are like as a as a species um and then there's ludology, which is essentially just the same thing except with play, which comes up with a lot of guys like um, a lot of people actually. It's a it's a fairly um, it's a fairly multi gender uh, open uh, field. Strangely enough, is digital humanities maybe one of the only ones in in you know historical English literature. But uh, uh, this guy named Espen Arseth has a has an, a way of talking about it that I'm most familiar with called ergodic literature and. Ergodic literature sort of is a version of saying ludology, which is, yeah, like, you know, the literature changes. It's completely impossible to pin down when it's a video game. All that you can really do is describe your state of play and the ambiguities therein. And that's the analysis, not studying how a plot works, but studying how the player works. So that's the essential distinction. All right. And today (laughs) we're talking about what I can only describe as a dark comedy about prison abolition. That is Jamie Delano, Tom Pyre, and John McRae's comic, Cruel and Unusual, from approximately 1995. Very weird comic. Very 1995 comic, I would say. Yeah. Uh, could you sort of give the listener a bit of a summary of what (laughs) happens in this comic? It's a, it's a bit of an interesting one to follow. Yeah, so basically, the comic starts like, I don't know, like, if you've heard the term in Medias Res, um, which of course would mean, like, something along the lines of, oh, like, it's in the middle of the story um if you've heard that that before uh this is like super in medias race like you join this 16 issues into the original vertigo run of this comic um and a character a woman is being (laughs) taken to jail of her own accord i guess we find out because she had an abortion and it's a big controversy because she's helped this sort of like extremely sleazy business owner tv mogul turn a uh, a christian station into like a really really successful televangelism kind of thing by way of like jesus christ getting electrocuted with two other felons you know updating, updating yeah that is that is the first page of this comic jesus christ <laughs> in what appear to be jordan's getting electrocuted yeah it was, and, and, like, and that's the how they two, drop yeah. us into they, that's how they drop us into the idea that this woman has made this basically Pat Robertson figure. She's turned him into Ted Turner by turning this network around. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat Robertson and t- meets Ted Turner is a really good way of looking at this. Um, 
And he, I mean, he's such a sleazebag, and like he basically is like, look, you got to go to this prison. We also learn by way of reading this. This is inefficient storytelling. You you have to <laughs> you have to read the first page, uh, which is just text, in order to understand the <laughs> the context of this. But um, the the mogul has been he he has this great uh, enterprise, and he decides to sort of put his nose into the back uh, corridors of politics. And uh, the governor he helps elect basically screws him by saying like, oh, you know what? Like, thanks for all the help. Here's a for-profit prison. And then regulates him and 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 fines him and stuff like that. So uh, effectively, he neuters his money and makes him lose a ton of money uh, and puts him in charge of this prison, which he hates. And he is sending this woman to. Um, and I, from there, the the general gloss, and I'm sure we'll, we'll go into it, but the general gloss is um, this woman... Uh, decides that she is going to Bobby uh, decides that she is going to make uh, lemonade out of lemons and uh, completely show the world how brutal and terrible this prison is after she's punked. But instead she basically UHFs it. She makes it the hottest thing around. Yeah. She, she, she starts televising executions and everyone gets excited about it. She becomes like a hot dominatrix warden uh, figure. And, uh, and it, boy, does it ever spiral out of control from there. Uh, she doesn't like it. She tries it in very vertigo fashion. Uh, turns out with everyone getting uh, sexually humiliated and um, either killed or beaten up. Yeah, and uh, it, it has a sort of ambiguous ending, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should maybe we should do the ending first because it's gonna be too much of a thing to drop on everyone at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'll I'll. Okay, so the ending is her daughter is also a, a the, the warden's daughter is a um uh, uh I, I guess like a performance artist kind of person but she spirals as the comic goes on and her mother doesn't talk to her and stuff because her mother's too busy um being conflicted over her successful murder tv show i, I um, would say the best way to describe her is like a college fail daughter she <laughs> yeah, mentioned she's right. in school for body art i love that it's such a great it's such a great like basket weaving style like you know, what are you majoring in? And then, like, you say the most disappointing thing to your parents thing. Um, not that any, there's anything wrong with basket weaving, but I use that because I don't actually think that's a real major. I think that's strictly used as a punchline. Um, if it is... Yeah, uh, and in this conversation, I think the most disappointing part would be her insisting that her mother call her Clit Eastwood. <laughs> that's her real name. Not not That's not the name she was given by the man. Um, yeah, so she ends up killing a guy in uh, in, like sexual domination gone very wrong um and uh ends up on death row in her mother's prison uh there's like a prison break effectively initiated by the warden she takes control of the whole thing and she kidnaps a bunch of officials and the mogul we talked about and the last couple of pages is she she puts her daughter in the electric chair and then she says like hey look like it's it's my daughter i'm gonna kill her but if i kill her i also kill myself and also, if you don't want us to die, you can kill all the, the rich people that made this happen. I've put them in an, in an alternative electric chair. And here's the weird part. You have a voting mechanism on your TV, so feel free to vote for who should be killed. And uh, and the comic comes to it a It predicted close. Bandersnatch. It did. It. I, I literally... I was like, isn't this Black Mirror? Like, did wasn't there literally... Like, isn't that the, the B episode of Black Mirror where, like... Where it's like, ooh. I like... would say this is a bit too insightful to be an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> That's so brutal. Its politics are too clear. <laughs> its politics are extremely clear. Like, so on the nose. Um, in, in Again, in a way that I think that it, it's just like it's very specific to Vertigo. Like, it, it has a British comics feel in that, like, there is... Like, I don't know how, much Brit- how many British comics you've, you've read. Uh, Neil, uh, are you familiar with like 2008? I've read stuff? a few. Okay, I uh, should, 2008 itself—it's something I haven't been too into. I know okay. Jesse's a, a huge fan from our preacher episodes, right? Uh, but I've mainly read like the um, the British writers who came to America, this sort of new wave of British heavy comics, and this seems very Peter Milligan in its sensibilities. Like this could be <laughs> a shade the changing man arc. Oh, yeah. I read so much Shade the Changing Man in college. Like, it was one of the ones I could find on Soul Seek, and I was really into, like, 
the JSA and stuff, like all those 40s characters. And I knew that Shade the Changing Man was sort of like vaguely Silver Agey. Um, but I didn't realize that it was like that one. Uh, and, and this was a different one. And I probably read like 50 or 60 episodes of Ch Shade the Changing Man before I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? It's like a huge waste of time. I don't like this. Um, but no, like, like there's a, so my favorite Judge Dredd arc, you should, I should, I should send you some of those. They're, they're, uh, they're very good. Um, and the, my favorite Judge Dredd arc is basically this, uh, this very famous arc where it, it basically, uh, the, the Soviets of Judge Dredd's world, uh, launch a nuclear strike against, um, against Mega City One. Uh, or uh, kind of that and kind of an invasion. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. But essentially, like, the politics of it are that those judges are bad and the, uh, the, the, you know, the capitalist judges are good. And then, like, clearly the authors are winking and being like, but are they? Because, you know, like, Judge Dredd is just like, the penalty is death and kills everyone. Like, it's, it's, he, there's no real nuance. It's very much like a, um, we are doing a satire here, please, please, um, <laughs> please notice. Um, so yeah, it's like, that, it feels like that, where, like, if you were to call this a satire, I feel like you'd kind of be misleading people because it's not satirical so much as it is just like hyper literal. Yeah, it's a bit too forthright in its <laughs> intentions to be a satire. It, I'd say it's like a dark farce in some ways. Yeah, it, it's very broad. <laughs> yeah, a lot of broads too. Uh, uh. <laughs> sorry. Um, but there is a lot of female nudity in this, in case you're reading around young children. Um, as well as male nudity and the use of the N-word. Yeah, that was a big one. I was surprised by that. <laughs> I was like, boy, Jamie Delano, you're going for it here. That was, uh, whew. Now, was there male nudity other than uh, a butt here or there? I didn't notice a lot of the, 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 the full frontal kind, which I feel like in even in M-rated comics, that was something that was very rare. So as penises go, they were usually sort of, like, tastefully obscured by shadows. But there or is an alligator one, in one case. picture. That's what I was about to bring up. Oh, where okay. it's, like, clear that this alligator is biting him on his dick. And, like, that is explicit to a degree that you really wouldn't see in most other Vertigo stuff at the time. Yeah, I didn't like it. It was it was not an image I was really in, into. Like, I, I thought, at first I was looking at it and I was like, I sort of like the way this is drawn because it's like, it almost looks like Wound Man or something like that, where, where, where like, it feels, I don't know, almost like, almost like they're doing like a, a stylized version of the human body and alligators' bodies. Like, a, like, a, like almost like um, Sam Keith drew it or something like that. Like, or, uh, it, it's, it's weird, right? Like, but then you, you're just like, but they just have all the anatomy in there and like, nothing to the imagination. And then they say it's in execution. You're like, this this kind of sucks. I don't like it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It it worked on you in a way that it didn't work on the public. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, there's just a, um, there's just a total, like, I don't know, like, in this, in this story, there is an absolute um, insistence that people are just like, total pigs who want slop like and i feel like that's like most vertigo lines right like we were talking off air about how like delano is not like particularly beloved by like you know the audiences who love british writers of vertigo stuff and like I, of... I would say that he gets appreciation but not as much as his contemporaries yeah he's not morrison or more or yeah like i mean even um you know ennis i would say like who who is in my mind the least um, well, to me, the least enjoyable, but also probably the least storied of the uh, Morrison, Moore, Ennis, Ellis gang. Um, I would say Delano's well outside of that, and including, like, I, I was saying, outside of the Pat Mills, John Wagner stuff, too. Like, there's there's a kind of gravitas those folks have that he doesn't. But, like, his Hellblazer is this way, too, where, like, Constantine is constantly looking at people and being like, duh, people are pigs, it's slop, they suck. And like, and then like looking at the camera and being like, but ain't it beautiful too? <laughs> like, this just doesn't have, <laughs> this just doesn't have the second part. It's just always like, uh, yeah, actually. Like, yeah, I, th this I think that Everyone may be Pyre's sucks. influence. Oh, okay. Uh, because what I usually like go to with this sort of British looking at America stuff is uh, Shock Treatment, the uh, sequel hmm. to Rocky Horror Picture Show with Cliff wow. DeYoung and Jessica Harper. I've never. Oh wow! I've never even heard of that. Wow. Oh, it is. It is fantastic. I I would say okay. it's better than Rocky Horror. 
Okay, but I mean, it has a, a very yeah. similar fixation on what would eventually become reality TV. Uh, and okay, okay. And it, much like you're saying, is sort of in that Hellblazer mold where it sort of pulls back at the end. And Tom Pyre, the co-writer here, is an American, so I, I think that allows for this lack of filter. Like, British people, they, they can say, like, 80% of what they want, but 20% of it has to be, oh, no, you're all right. With Americans, <laughs> we're talking about ourselves, yeah, I, so we can I just can go say, wild. I can say these people are bad, why not? <laughs> yeah, it is like, I mean, just like the, the level of just complete... Uh, brutality about like you know the guy the the um oh boy the uh I, i'm forgetting his name but like the guy who is the uh the kind of like tv mogul um it's like it is it is like they mead i believe picked, it was yeah yeah that's right uh something mead um or mead something but like he is just so deeply deeply uh terrible like <laughs> He sucks so much and like it it's like completely like he's 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 super fat like and of course they're using heavy they're using obesity as a as a negative here which is very much in the mold of of i mean if you've ever read any uh preacher this happens there too like that's just a thing that happens in vertigo comics it's a, like offensive but it's like their their go-to as far as i recall um and you'd know better than I, we just point. finished our sort of long read of preacher and I would say there's like one instance where that really happens, but with the, with the Pope, otherwise right? preacher seems to be relatively free of that. The the Pope, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Well, it's just it's such a it's such a great like uh, it's such a great image, I guess. Like it's such a memorable image that Pope. So maybe that's why it's stuck. With yeah, him. yeah. There's there's one character that fits that mold, but he is also just very big to make up for. <laughs> but the the other thing, like I think the the um. Like it definitely is a, it definitely is a, a synecdoche of like, he's fat so he's like a lazy and bad American man, and then also, just in case, uh, just in case you were like us and being like, well that doesn't that's not really fair like, you know let's not let's not equate uh, obesity or like heaviness with with like being bad. And also like, well he also sleeps on a bed made of boobs and uh, and sleeps with a blow up doll and constantly watches porn and like only talks about having uh having sex with his uh co-workers and sexually harassing them like all right kind of on the nose but like, right on yeah it th this is not this is not a comic interested in giving people redeeming qualities this is a this is a comic where people are exactly as bad as they look <laughs> that's right and like it is it is a comic where like it i'm trying to think of what it reminds me of it reminds me of like there was just that there was that period of time in in like uh, basically like right after the um, the Todd McFarlane era of Spider-Man in Marvel Comics and particularly in Spider-Man where like if they wanted someone to be bad, they would just give him like a super hideous smile, like a really big smile. <laughs> and like it would be like <laughs> far bigger than his face. Like, and you'd be like, well, that guy's evil. That guy's super evil. Um and this is very much that where it's like, oh yeah, no, no, no. This guy is like everyone who shows up. Like, so the 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 sort of like instant action where you find out this woman is not going to be a prisoner when you find out Bobby is not a prisoner but the warden. She's like, she's told by the people that she's going to death row and and she's going to be killed and she like, you know, freaks out and they're like, haha, we got you. What a great prank! Like, really helped us bond. And then she says like, I'm gonna have you all up on charges. And they're like, oh boy, hope she maybe she's not gonna play along. But, like, all of those people are just, like, grotesqueries. <laughs> like, terrible-looking people. Yeah, uh, John McCurry is very good at grotesquery, and not great at drawing normal-looking people, I would say. <laughs> no, I would, like, it, this This comic would have been a lot, I mean, like, look, like, one of the one of the comics uh, advertised in the back of one of these issues was a, um, a comic about... That where they were like, hey, we just wrote this two comic series. Like, this is the future of comics. It's like bringing it in, like movies. It's like a purity of of, uh, of approach. And uh, I'm like, oh, like what's what's it about? And they're like, it's about a town where like people from freak shows live. It's like, oh, all right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> like that's that's just like, I, and it's not just Vertigo. Like that was just a thing then when people were like, wouldn't it be cool if like everyone was monstrous, like so crazy, creepy looking. Um, 
I almost feel that uh, between this... that and the uh, comic also advertised in the back of this finals, which is basically about oh yeah, what if college was fucked up? <laughs> there was a certain was a crazy uh, time. tenor of maturity going on. <laughs> but I mean, like it, it really is like uh, I, I feel like this comic in particular could have benefited from like everyone being like just a soupçon more uh, freaky because like it would have made the art look like anytime you're like like bobby was supposed to be like this ultra attractive lady and like by issue two she's drawn as if like she is in like a bosch painting <laughs> like because i mean because she's so stressed from her job but it's like all right i guess i guess we couldn't keep that going i guess like we, we're just we're just ripping the 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 tape off that facade that's fine yeah there's there's a lot of places to go from here, and I'm not sure where to go. Mm. Okay, how about this? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you first, uh, which I mean is not my real, not really my my role as the guest. So you can you can turn it back on me in a in a in an act of power, um, if if you'd like. But I want to know your 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 favorite, and by favorite, it could also be least favorite part of uh, of this brief four four comic series, which was I have to say a whirlwind. Oh, um. There are just so many, like, little moments. I, I a, a bit that really stuck out to me is the bit where the, I believe it was the mother of the person that her daughter uh, murdered via makeshift sexual electric chair. It was either is the mother or the wife. Her. It's unclear, yeah. His mother, I'm checking right now. Okay, okay. Uh, she confronts her with a gun... <laughs> And she is just intensely dismissive, first blowing smoke in her face, and then when she pulls the gun out, immediately disarming her. And I love just how how swiftly that character is disregarded. <laughs> I like that it the, really the took me reason, by surprise. I like that the only reason she was there was as an explanation as to why the daughter got away from the like competing death panel show. Because they're like, well, now, yeah, now you're my daughter. Like, you're the body, so we're gonna send you to the Texas people. It's like, jeez, that's dark. <laughs> okay, I guess it's you needed a body. You found one. Um, I found like yeah, that. That was also an interesting touch that this Florida jail <laughs> TV station sparks a competing Texas jail TV station, that's which uh, it, it really shows just what that. That, that little bit of American knowledge gets you. Like, you get an American on there, he can give you the the, the state flavors rather than the general American flavor. Because, like, I mean, Texas and Florida competing, that that that's what a native gets you. Seen college football. We all know what happens. Yeah, like, no, no, it's, it's like, it is, it is a very, I mean, it's a moment that is extremely on the nose, but, like, it also is very on the nose. Like, it, it is exactly what would happen in, like, a world where, oh, all of a sudden, like, the... The 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 sport of killing executing people on live TV is like a money maker. Yeah, of course a comp a competitor is going to show up instantly, like within within a little bit. And of course the competition, if the initial one is like a game show, the competition is going to be like down back to basics. It's like exactly like uh, it's like that terrible uh, channel now where you can just constantly watch people getting pulled over by cops for like eight hours a day or something like that, as opposed to cops. <laughs> Where, like, Cops was, like, a jokey talk show halfway. And, like, that's just, like, oh, well, if you want to watch the police work, like, <laughs> here's the channel for you. Yeah. And it, it's very interesting just how much of this has become real. Like, we have, like, Cops was around back then, but now we have, like, the locked up abroad, like, inside the prison reality show type thing. <laughs> it, it has become its own ecosystem in a way that this sort of saw. Yeah, it's true. And, like... You know, it's it's funny because like clearly, I, I think like this this was pulling from um, also just like the weird kind of like um, uh, hustler uh, and and below style like uh, uh, skin mags that you could that were like around in '95 and like proliferating on TV as well. Yeah, Bobby is literally named after Larry Flint. Yes, she's Bobby Flint, <laughs> which again, very nice stuff. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, like, I, I, I imagine a lot of people, I imagine a lot of people were, like, instantly thinking the same thing I did, which was, huh, wonder if they named her Flynn after that guy. Um, <laughs> the answer, of course, was yes. Uh, but it's, like, it's, I think, like, the funny thing about, about this comic and, like, the way that they depict the side stuff in the jails, right? Where, like, 
the side stuff being oh you know like it's it's about uh the executions but it's also about like these ninja warrior style competitions where like they try and escape out the bog or like oh like there's you know like inside the cells like prison justice and stuff like that it was almost a parody of like the very weird versions of like and i mean like uh, the the mogul guy uh, is watching them throughout like it, just like those those adult films that were just like you know like prison girls or something like that right like it is yeah I yeah i think it's pulling from that as opposed to a security state which makes it a little off tonally but weirdly very very close yeah there there is a variety in these programs that i'm not sure you get with the the real version they all seem to have like a very similar nail that they strike yeah i i assume if like people really got into executions live streamed on tv which Listen, I'm as much of a pessimist as anyone, but I don't really see that catching on. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be Bobby Flint from the first issue. Still, like, I don't. I think if you did that once, it would probably like, I'd probably see a pretty big backlash. But uh, I mean, like especially also... now that they don't use the electric chair as often, and they just use uh, combinations of drugs that you know, have about the same failure rate as the rat catcher chair. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and, you know, when, when pressed to find a new method, they use the same commentary as the mogul with the rat catcher, where he's like, oh, it's, it's tradition. <laughs> Everyone loves that. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like it, I can't imagine it would work. I can't imagine it would be like ultra popular, but were it ultra popular, let's be clear. It would absolutely just be that like people just want the steak, not the sizzle. Like, they just want to see that over and over and over again, as is evidenced from, like, and, I mean, I won't lie, I watch this too when I can, but, like, if you think about it with sports, like, the Red Zone channel, in that, like, Red Zone is just the touchdowns, and it's like, all right, great, that's all I wanted anyway. 45 minutes of execution highlights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be it. Like, it would have to be that. But, yeah, I don't... The like... execution version of NBA Presents dunks. <laughs> Listen... Let's not pretend that NBA Presents Dunks is awesome. Like, let's not pretend we are absolutely here for a bloopers tape. Um, which there would be one. I mean, listen. I mean, I've watched that. both volumes of NBA Presents Dunks, and I enjoyed both times. Especially <laughs> yeah. because they went a little bit farther into it than just Dunks. It was like, you know, here's this guy, here's this technique. And, like, the second one, it focused on, oh, these three new rookies that entered the NBA, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Carmelo Anthony. It it was a bit more nuanced than anything in this comic, or anything in the real-life version of this prison entertainment complex. <laughs> yeah, it, like, I think the, the funniest thing about it to me was when, like, was just, like, the... the you're right, there's so much to pick from. The fixation the comic seemed to have on the mogul wanting to have sex with Bobby and, like, how they just had that as, a as like, a motive for him even more than profit. Because, like, profit seems to be the only thing that would keep you going in this, in this enterprise. Like, is it making you money or are you trapped in it? And, like, our characters are one of the two. But, like, the mogul seems also to be, like... Yeah, I'm trapped in the idea that I just really, really want to be with this woman for one night. And it's like that is so weird. Like that is like in a in a book where like the everyone's motivations are like as depraved as possible. This is just like I just need to sexually harass my employee for real one time. Like just give me once. Yeah, it's it's especially weird because he seems to be one of I'd say he's more of a viewpoint character than her in the way it's presented. Yes. Like, we yes. spend more time following him than we do following her, and it's weird because most of what he does is react to things that happen. <laughs> yeah, it's... I will say this for the comic. It's not particularly well plotted. Like, and but what I mean by that is, like, the story's fine. Like, it hangs together okay. And, and, you know, for the kind of, like, shocking ending, I like it more than... There's a there's an Alan Moore Lovecraft short thing that I read a long time ago called like the parking lot or something like I can't remember. But it ended with like a classic sort of like Lovecraft thing where like, oh, now the person telling you this is insane. And it was the first time I found myself being like, oh, that was kind of ridiculous. I didn't enjoy that at all. Um, and the the way that the way that that happened in that 
was so much less satisfying than the way that the ending happened here, where, like, you get the weird, you know, exclamation point on the series of, like, vote which one of us dies. Um, as cheesy as it was, it at least, like, it was like, yeah, we had a vision and we closed the loop. But it also feels like they kind of came up with that scene at the last, at the first moment, and then worked their way backwards. It like Yeah, well... I'd say it's, like, a bit too fast-paced for its own good. Yeah. Like, it has ideas that I think could fit, like, a Netflix season. And, like, you would get through, like, they have all these little glimpses of stories that they just sort of pass over or just immediately resolve. And what it reminds me of is, um, so in the mid-2000s, MTV picked up the series called Wrestling Society X. Uh, It was... So they took a bunch of, like, independent wrestlers from the Southern California area, and they made 10 30-minute episodes. And the best way I can describe it is, like, if you take a normal wrestling match, double the intensity, but then cut the time in half. So you've got, like, a 10-minute match that has so much stuff shoved into it, and then at the end, someone gets their head shoved in a wheelbarrow full of concrete... Because they got some mob guys mad at them. And then in the 10th episode, there's a match involving a piranha tank and a match where a cage explodes. And this is 10 30-minute episodes, part of which... Part of each episode was a musical number. (laughs) So it was like two matches, maybe 10 minutes each. I'm just gonna say, I didn't see it, but it feels like they didn't earn that. It... You know, I don't know how it, you have to do more to earn the exploding cage than that. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. At, at least with the Piranha Death Match, those teams had like a feud going. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I get that. I, yeah, that's. But that's like at that the really end of, I want to say the second episode, a guy was tombstone pile driven into an exploding coffin. So that's like that. That's how fast you get to a something very that's how fast you get to something very just too much happening Mm. within an hour you've got exploding coffin (laughs) and like in the first episode you've got a guy falling off a ladder into exploding electric barbed wire and you've got a guy jumping off a ledge onto a table yeah that's a lot like it 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 really is a great analog for the this series though because like there's a ton going on and just like weird like asides or emotional scenes like there's obviously the stuff where it's like it's describing all the game shows and stuff that are going on um and it's like okay like at at least you know like i've seen death race at this point Uh, you know and like i'm thinking 1995 person like oh i know death race i know like these these kind of like i've seen running man like okay yeah i get it fine It's, it's okay but like there's also these like tender romantic moments with cat with uh bobby and the uh the trustee jacques um or yeah if we're if we're shakespearean about it um and like there's a point where she where he's like you know they 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 kind of have a relationship and she promises him that she's gonna like change the prison and it doesn't happen and she's like he's like yeah like i guess that didn't work out and she's like you hate me like but and i hate me but i maybe it would all be better if i wasn't here he's like no don't say that like we'll get through this together it's like this this could be interesting if any any development was done to this relationship. Like all I've seen is yeah, these you, two people you need to get to a five together. before you get to a ten emotionally. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like this seems to be going pretty fast for the reader right now. Like you can't do a, a touching scene. Like and you can't do a touching scene there. And then you... in the next issue, that guy is getting pulled out of a swamp with a, a fishing line because he's been murdered. Yeah, and the guy who pulls him out of the swamp with the fishing line is the guy who murdered him, who is fishing there, and it's like, who oh, I caught a big bass. Like, no, man, like, you probably caught the dead body you just <laughs> threw in there. Like, don't, please don't do that. Like, that's, it's not wise. I, I also like that, that, like, that whole relationship is started on this very strangely, like, intense racial animosity where, like, the, the people accuse the trustee of, of raping Bobby and she she refuses yeah. to go along with it and then it's just never brought up again <laughs> it's like like yeah all right oh well, that's fine um i guess we've i guess we've settled that uh because bobby didn't go along with it and then uh as a result now they are lovers um i guess we never have to mention it's that like the, the sitcom thing yeah it's the exactly. end of the episode we've washed our hands of that allegation 
but they don't like they don't do anything emotional there there's no like emotional resonance between them in the moment where she's like no i will not run you up the river uh for this thing like i you are a person to me and i you know i i value you it's like she's just like yeah um are you okay they they really beat you up um he's like yep i'm fine now uh thanks for standing up for me what are we gonna do and she says i'm gonna execute someone i'm gonna go to issue go to issue two very weird (laughs) very weird yeah, that, that's a good, like, microcosm of this comic. Something very, very impactful happens, and nobody really sells it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of useful to think about it in terms of wrestling, where, like, it is it is sort of a, um, it's sort of like a match between, like, a really, really good, I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot about wrestling, so, like, please, please forgive me if I screw up here. My, my main thing about wrestling is I went to one Ring of Honor show that had, like, six future wwe people in it um and it was a great show and that's all i ever did uh and 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 uh, the great muda was there too so it was a good show uh, and i just never went to another one because i wasn't going to be as good um <laughs> but from what i understand of wrestling uh especially if you were going to ring of honor shows they probably weren't going to be that good <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was in the the early 2000s so you know different world but yes for sure like aj styles was in there so like it was back, back, way back when, and punk actually. Punk okay, there. so this would have been like 2004. Yep, 2004, 2005, one of those times uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey. <laughs> ah, land of dreams. Or no, this was in Philly. I was going to go to another show in Elizabeth, the land of dreams. Um, but anyway, uh, what I'm to understand about <laughs> about wrestling is that when there's someone who's very good at um, wrestling, like a like a a new guy or like someone who's been in like a Japanese fed and is in WWE and like they're rising the ranks and then they have to fight, you know, like, I don't know, let's say like Roman reigns or something like that. And uh, people get really upset. Cause like the person who's really good is being completely no sold by Roman reigns. Who's like winning the match by like throwing a punch. And like, that feels a lot like what's happening here, except we're sort of the, the really talented striker and the, the comic is Roman reigns where we're like, <laughs> And I'm willing to go with you so far. Like I, I can read this. I, you know, I'm with you. I'm like a, I'm a, a mature comics reader. I like I read Virgo comics. Like I, I get this. And then they're like, yeah, but what if, like, what if in the prison, they like, they all had shotguns and shot TVs. And you're like, well, all right. Like, yeah, okay. I, I see what you're going for. Like, let's just keep moving. Like, oh yeah. And what if, what if at the end, like, um, a mom like was totally about to kill her daughter. I was like okay like cool it just it feels like you, you like I, even as a bad satire it's like okay i'm willing to be here i can historicize this it's the 90s this kind of stuff happens like we're in the midst of like the we're in the midst of the mr show era like there's a lot of people doing stuff in that vein but worse like fine sure but like it really doesn't follow through on anything it's a wild ride because it's so short but if this were like a 30 issue series i would feel about it the way i do shade the changing man i would say the metaphor is a bit more like someone who can do a a lot of really interesting spots but has (laughs) no idea how to string them together so it's just like (laughs) this move this move this move and like all those moves are like interesting in themselves but there isn't, like, a chain between them to get you to, like, a big emotional high. Mm-hmm. So by, by the end of it, you just feel kind of exhausted. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, it, 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 and it makes sense in terms of, like, it isn't telling a story either in the way that, like, when I've ever I've seen, like, a really good wrestling match and, like, when my friends have actually, like, been able to convince me, like, no, no, wrestling is cool has been the times, and I'm not an anti-wrestling guy, I just don't really, I, I never took the time to understand it super well. Um, but I do like watching people talk about it, but like the, yeah, yeah, I I can, I can feel that. Like I was that way with basketball for a long time where like I was, I I wasn't against it. I just didn't know, like if if I was watching it, like what parts of the screen are important, but, and like, it, it takes something that really like clicks you into it to really understand, oh, this makes this better. And to get you to that emotional place i'm like obsessed with baseball and football and both of those took me a lot of time to get into because of that like baseball i had no idea what i was watching until one time i was watching a playoff game with the phillies and i was like oh it's actually like you're not waiting for home runs the home run is the aberrant thing like the other stuff is what you're waiting for and i was like oh now i know how this works like yeah i mean wrestling is the same way but like it is like 
the the matches that click for me the matches that make sense for me in that vein are like the matches that tell a story right like where like the moves and the sort of like arc of the match and everything like the stakes are there the the sort of like significance and signification of the moves are there it's just like tightly plotted and this is like just not that like even so far as you're you know set in the world in the middle of everything you're like wait who are all these people do i care this woman's going to prison should she be going to prison is it like did she do something really bad is this like uh, a thing or like is she a victim here like who's this weird television guy he looks evil but who knows and then like by the point you figure any of those relationships out issues one's over and you're a quarter of the way through the series yeah i had a very similar feeling where it took me a while to sort of figure out like okay wh where am i even standing in regards to this story <laughs> yeah no for sure like and, and like it it's especially weird because it's a period of time like i don't know if you remember the super nintendo game smash tv but there's something very smash tv about this where like and and so as i said before something very running man like this idea of the ultimate thing that cannot be televised execution being televised was like kind of a, a rich vein at this point and like a lot of people had used it to, to great effect and it's just weird that it's just weird that they were like they knew that there were all these like previous versions of it like and like contemporary versions and all and they were just like yeah but we're not gonna actually situate ourselves within any of that like that we're, we're just gonna like kind of kind of like uh, go our own pace like everyone's gonna figure it out it's fine like I, we don't have to know if this is running man or the thing where like you support the warden over the prisoner or the prisoner over the warden or like whatever it's just like just like uh, be along for the ride and the ride is just like, yeah it's extremely bumpy and when it takes the time to really put its position down solidly it's that big final monologue mm -hmm. where everything just sort of comes together thematically <laughs> and you know as i'm to understand that's the best way to tell a story yeah i reading that big monologue i i i just sort of felt like it feels like there's more between the issues that should have been there to get to that yeah I, that's a really good point like and it's also that like between the issues feels like a year has passed at times like you're just like between issues one and two it's like oh no bobby really messed up now everyone loves executions on live tv and she's just like haggard and uh, like it feels like she's 70 years older it's like what what happened like i just put this down <laughs> has it actually only been a month what is going on it i will say this it feels very much like a comic of a time that i can't even imagine anymore where like in terms of comics where like a mini series would exist that was this like opaque and just lasted for a while and, and people were like yeah i guess i'll read it like fine it's it's from this particular publisher who i love like that feels very very of a moment that is no longer Absolutely, and it, it's also very much of a, com a comic of the time before decompression became a thing. Mm. This is probably the most compressed comic this, this reads <laughs> that like you'll a, ever find. This reads like a Stanley Avengers, like when you read like those old Avengers, like the the Kree Scroll War. To, like the original arc of that was like I don't know three issues long, because <laughs> like they're those issues are so comp com uh, as you say compressed that like. It truly is like you read one issue and you're like, oh, this is a six issue arc. But like this reads like that. It literally reads like, okay, we're just going to do a four issue arc and everything is going to be going on. Like this would be a, a several, I don't know, like I could see this as a manga almost more than a, than a comic book. And like as a manga, it would be like many chapters long. Like, it would be quite a long manga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Naoki Urasawa's Cruel and Unusual. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I was thinking <laughs> We should have just, we should, we probably should have just read Monster. That probably would have been the move here. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it feels like a comic that's on fast forward. <laughs> yeah. Where so much of it is just like, you, you, you go from one page to another and you feel like you've missed something. It must be how it felt like for people who really wanted to get on the, like, the Game of Thrones train or whatever. And like, you know, it was season six and they're like, well... I'll watch some of those condensed recaps and like then they got to the like wow, how did why does why is any of this happening what is going on like and i mean like they're they're right to ask that but also 
like Game of Thrones had the neat trick of giving you so much time to get used to it that you're just like, well, no, that all makes sense. That's just the way it is. Whereas this is literally just that recap where it gives you no time to get used to it. You're like, I don't, I don't accept any of this. <laughs> like, what? Why? <laughs> why is the governor bad now? What is he? Is he? Who's? The, why is the? What, is he? Is he not gonna win his seat? Is he in danger? Or is he not in danger? Like, what is? What does Texas have to do with it? Like, it's just it is like machine gunning at you. Yeah, and uh, speaking of HBO, if this were to be like expanded into like a TV season length thing. <laughs> Which premium service do you think it would be on? Because it does feel Ooh. like something, a premise that would be on a premium service. What's what's the one that's the, uh, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I could see it being on, I, I don't think it's quite HBO, uh, especially after Watchmen didn't do as well stars? as I hoped. Oh, I don't know, oh, stars, yeah, maybe, maybe stars feels like it's stars or, or Showtime, but I almost want to say like it would be uh, like Shudder. Like the, 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 oh, the yeah. I like it just like it would be their foray into original programming. Like, I could see that. Like, a you know, how like I'm trying to think like the DC uh streaming app does has has done this where they're like, we have TV shows, but you can only watch them on our streaming app. Like, just like DC Nation, really yeah. The yeah. uh, they had the Harley Quinn one, they had Doom Patrol, they had an episode of Swamp Thing before that got canceled. Aww, <laughs> I'm. Their Adrian Barbobot was not uh, successful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, it, I, I could see that. Because it feels like something that very easily flop. Like the the whole premise could easily be like something no one wanted to watch. So it had it would have the most like payoff for people who were like, yeah, like we don't even have a streaming service. So if this flops, like, you know, it's just more of the same. But if it succeeds, I'll do that. Oh, wait, I just realized. Quibi. Oh, it's this a Quibi This is the perfect show. thing for Quibi. <laughs> Oh, man, you're right. Oh, you're so right. It is a Quibi show. Oh, man. Oh, that's a, that's this a... could fit right on in with the story about the woman with the arm made of gold who yeah. keeps it even though it's giving her gold poisoning. I love... I, you know what? Let me say this bold claim right now. And I will... I will if, 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 if this, is, this is like... I would say this, this. the chances of this are lower than me like winning the lottery or being asked to like join the Philadelphia Eagles as a backup punter or something. But uh, <laughs> if on the off chance, Cruel and Unusual is made into a midi, like some sort of series, and it is directed by Sam Raimi as that girl with the golden arm thing <laughs> was, I would 100% watch it. Oh, now that you say that, I can, I can just see it. Yeah, it would be great. Like it would totally, like that, that exact combination of like a short show directed by Sam, oh, I'm sorry, short episode based show directed by Sam Raimi about this particular topic. I, I think that's a slam dunk, at least in terms of being watchable. Um, and with Quibi, you need to have like bizarrely high name talent. So like Lana Del Rey as Bobby, John Goodman as Marion. <laughs> Sean Connery comes out of retirement to play the mayor. Oh, come on. Now I want this. <laughs> it's like, this is terrible. <laughs> Just be like, oh, yeah, I read the comic for this. People will be like, you did what? Like, there was a what about this? <laughs> it's like, I, what are those? There's like, there's those, I guess like 30 Days of Night was one of those where like people were like, this was a comic? I was like, oh, yeah, it was a great comic. Really liked the comic. Yeah, History of Violence bad. is probably one of those where like, mm -hmm. you, you can say it's based on a comic, but like nine out of ten people will have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I've read the comic and not seen the movie, uh, so I feel like I'm in a great position. Uh, I feel like I would like the comic more, but that would also be something if you said it in polite company, people would be like, you're like, what? It's like a serious movie. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. I... <laughs> that and like Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition. That's a perfect one. Like no one knows about that comic. Um, I'm trying to think like. Well, there are some things that were comics that had TV shows that no one knows about, like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs and stuff, but... Um, the Middleman. <laughs> the uh, Human Target. <laughs> I can't. Sometimes I remember that that was a show, and I'm just like, really? They made a show out of Human Target? This is amazing. Oh, There's God. also stuff like Cowboys and Dinosaurs, where, like, yes. you, you can kind of say it had a comic first, but, like, they were they were developed in concert. <laughs> right, exactly. Um yeah, no, I'm trying to think of, like, the best one, but I think you're right. Road to Perdition might be it. 
Ghost World for a while, probably, but then everyone knows, like, oh, it's like a graphic novel. Dan, Dan Close became famous off of that, so I don't think that counts. I, I would say two guns, but, like, nine out of ten people wouldn't know what you're talking about when you say, oh, yeah, yeah, the Denzel Washington movie, two guns, with, I want to say, Ethan Hawke? Yeah. And, of course, there's cases where, like, with Mystery Man, it's changed so much from the Captain Carrot original that it's kind of unrecognizable, but there's still a bit of it there. Right, yeah, no, 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 for sure. Like, I, I would say even stuff like, um, uh, what's that book called? Uh, Kick-Ass, like, which I was not a huge fan of the comic. I liked it okay. Oh, so yeah, I no. Never really, I never really watched the, the movie because, like, I wasn't super interested in it. But it's not Mark Millar. Like, <laughs> yeah, Mark Millar and John Romita Jr. <laughs> like, I'm a John Romita Jr. sympathizer because I was, like, a big Spider-Man guy. So, like, there's something about John Romita Jr. that I'm just like, oh, this this speaks to me. But let's be clear. Like, that's 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 the nostalgia talking. Um, I I would say John Romita Jr. like back in like the 90s when he was doing Punisher, when he did like Daredevil Man Without Fear. That was like his peak. And since he's been taking like easy paychecks. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely true. But yeah, Millar is just I mean, Millar's a nightmare. Uh, writer but the like Malar is a lot like kevin smith in that he has like a preternatural ability to sort of like bind collaborators t to his thrall <laughs> like <laughs> kevin smith's first big comic thing was with joe casada the guy yeah. who'd eventually be the editor-in-chief of marvel and i mean casada's art is so much better than smith's writing on that daredevil like, and I'm not even, like, a huge Casada guy, like, as far as his art. Like, it's a little too... Like, I feel like to be a big Casada guy, kind of have to be a big Jim Lee guy and see Casada as, like, the the abstraction of Jim Lee. That's a that's a very yeah. happy theory that I just thought up. But I think it, I think it's right. But I like I, the There's, arts. like, a, a post-Jim Lee school that you kind of have to, have to subscribe to yes. to really get Casada. That's but, the school that gets you to, like, David Finch, uh, Ethan Van Skyver. yes. Oh, all all yes. the people I can think of in that style are people I hate. Just the just the biggest chuds around. Um, but like, even still, thinking back on that, like I remember reading it and being like, "This is cool." And then like, literally, like days later after finishing it, I was like, "Wait, did he like? Did he really make a uh, a character who just said like exclamation point like sort <laughs> of <where>, like <laughs> click." Like that, yeah, that's like yeah. cool in, in the way that you think it's cool when you're like 12 and you've just watched the Joker and you're like, what also would be cool? But yeah, I think you're totally, <laughs> you're totally right that like Mark Millar is that way. But I mean, we're far afield, but I think like, I think you're right. That, like, that Batman comic in particular is wild because like you have his Daredevil, he does it with Joe Quesada. He does uh Green Arrow with uh Phil Hester, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And then he does Spider-Man with Terry Dodson. And then he gets on Batman, and he brings in his friend from movies, the guy who was an ex, who was like a bit character in Clerks, and who designed the clown in his View Askew logo. It's really weird. That Batman run was like his Kevin Smith's Batman was very, very strange. Like I never really read it, and like part of it was because it was just like deeply off-putting to me. <laughs> like in a totally different way than, than um, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dark Knight Returns guy. Uh, Frank Miller? Yeah, Frank Miller's return to Batman was. Um, he of the I'm the goddamn Batman um, in, in a comic. Oh, right, right. All-Star Batman and Robin. It, I mean, that was terrible. Off-putting as well, but like in a different way. Um, I found both of them completely unreadable. <laughs> I, I, I will stand up for certain parts of All-Star Batman and Robin, specifically the part in which batman and robin lure green lantern into a room where they've painted everything yellow and robin hands green lantern like yellow ice cream <laughs> why did he do that that's that's very funny actually okay yes i mean uh, listen that's that's an extremely good bit <laughs> there are little little nuggets of gold do the green lanterns i i we should probably uh I, I'm, I'm keeping you at this point, but uh, when I say we should, I, I mean I should probably stop having weird asides and keeping you from your night, but uh, <laughs> do the Green Lanterns have the worst uh, weaknesses of any uh, comic book character, like wood and yellow? Are those are those canonically the worst? I, I would say they're up there. 
I have a hard time coming up with like a storied superhero that has worse. And especially yeah, when it's like and, golden in a age lot of and... cases where you have worse, they're like, you know, in there as a gag. Yeah, exactly. But like these those are the those are the worst like serious ones. And I mean like that's a that's not just like, oh, you know, like it's one guy, oh yeah, that happened in the sixties, like, you know, it's it's whatever. It's like from the forties you had the guy who was hurt by wood leading into the guy in the sixties who was hurt by yellow. That's like was this a bit? Like, were you guys doing a bit? Is this weird bit? But okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that covers our coverage of Cruel and Unusual. It was uh, too fast to live and too weird to die. If you could find it, I'd say read it. it. It will take you literally, like, I was like, oh, four comics. Sometimes comics take me a little while, especially older ones. Like, I I don't know, like, I'll put, put aside some time. It took me, like, 20 minutes to read this series. It was very quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that, like, it is, at worst, a fascinating experience. Yeah, I mean, like, I would say the hardest thing about this is going to be finding it. Like, it will be it will be quite tricky to run down a... I mean, certainly very tricky to run down a legal copy of Cruel and Unusual. I can't imagine it will be expensive. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be exor- charging exorbitant prices for it. But I also imagine that, like, the supply of it is uh, is not particularly robust. Yeah, and especially now that, like comic shops aren't open you won't have a lot of like quarter bins to look through and right. people, and i don't think anyone is putting like a, a complete set of cruel and unusual up on ebay in the expectation that they will find a buyer if they are you will be able to get it for 35 cents and it's uh you know go to your local comic book convention i bet you'll find it there uh if that's still open yeah well oh yeah probably not during covid uh, or i mean if you're feeling if you're feeling brave i mean it would be probably the cheapest time you could get there get some good deals some action figures and <laughs> life-threatening illness all right before we go what have you been vibing with one. recently what have i been vibing with well i've been vibing i've my main quarantine vibe uh for better or for worse has been the uh the mobile game arc nights which I hear people get ads for on YouTube, and I don't because uh, they already know that they have me hooked. Uh, it's like a tower defense game. It's very anime. I'm not here to recommend it necessarily, although it is a fun, <laughs> it is a fun game um, and, a, and a nice like mind sink. But uh, I have found much solace in the extreme repetition and watching numbers go upness of that. So that's been a vibe. Um, I've also been vibing on. Um, been vi- I, and I said this before the show, and I, I, I stand by it. I've been vibing on sitting on the porch on a warm night. Uh, that's been cool. I've, I've really been enjoying that. I've been vibing, and like, that's not something I always vibe on. Um, and I've been vibing on having at least one beer every day, uh, which is not like a goal necessarily, but has been like a nice relaxing thing. Like, it's not, you know, it's not like a doctor's recommendation or anything, but it's 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 nice it's been it's been pleasant it's like it's a nice way to relax to give myself a relaxation um and uh oh and one more is uh watching anime uh which i started doing for uh, uh a a an imprint of my podcast and i found that i actually really uh like it which is cool um so that's cool what do you invite me on i want to know um well, I've been vibing on uh, what I've been drinking during this podcast, which is San Pellegrino, uh, specifically the pomegranate and orange flavor. Oh, I, I usually have the lemon flavor, but I got this uh, special, and it is surprisingly delicious. Now, is that flavored water, San Pellegrino, or are you drinking the San Pellegrino soda? Like the fresh uh, there's soda. San Pellegrino. Uh, there's San Pellegrino Essenza, which is basically sparkling water, okay. and then there's San Pellegrino just the like the regular kind it, it's how i think of it which is yes the it's basically a carbonated fruit juice i love those those are like those are drugs to me yeah uh back when i worked in the uh, call center i would i had a routine where i would like have a sort of thermos thing with ice in it and i would just pour a san pellegrino in it in the morning and just sort of top it off with a bottle of water Ooh. you know once every while just That's sort of keep lovely. that going yeah. I love that. I mean... Yeah, and it never, like, hit a point where it was just water. Like, by the end of the day, it was, like, half and half, so it was, like, just crisp enough with the lemon to be re- really refreshing. I call that an Arnold, Arnold Palmer. Yeah, and I've also been vibing on uh, All Elite Wrestling Double or Nothing, which was uh, this last Saturday, and... Cool. It was a hell of a time. 
particularly the last match, which was the Stadium Stampede. I don't know how much you've heard about the Stadium Stampede, Not but it was it was a five on five brawl through Jacksonville's the the Jaguar Stadium. Oh man, that rules! Yeah, someone got suplexed all the way down the field. Uh, there was a bar fight. <laughs> That's a horse incredible. was involved. Someone did a moonsault oh. off the uh, field goal uprights. So was this like re- is this live happening or is this like something that? Uh, was... Yes. Well, this was wow. pre-taped, but it was shown live. Wow. Oh, that rules. I'm yeah. really sold on this. I'm 100% sold. I gotta look this up. Stadiums. I'm gonna. One of the this. teams came in in like custom uh, football jerseys. Uh, wait, a drone what? was involved. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one of the teams, like, came in through the tunnel in, like, custom football jerseys oh, bearing amazing. their stable name. That's incredible. That sounds like it reminds a, me of, A like... pinfall was disputed, <laughs> so they went into the tent to watch the replay. <laughs> <laughs> it honestly reminds me a little bit of, um, reminds me a little bit of, like, how, oh, what was like well, there was a, there was a local, um, a local wrestling, uh, that got a little bigger, but, like, always had kind of a showman-like quality in that way and uh and yeah it reminds me of that just like with the budget to match i am very into this yeah if you're talking about philadelphia you may be talking about chikara i am talking about chikara that's right they came to my i, I would say once. this is like similar but not quite the same mm-hmm. they do have a guy from that federation orange cassidy okay. who is just delightful his whole thing is that he doesn't try he just sticks his hands in his pocket and just sort of shuffles around. <laughs> but then when someone knocks off his sunglasses, that's when he goes sicko mode. I love it. I really like, I really Yeah, like, he was in a ladder yeah. match on this show, uh, Double or Nothing, and he, you know, entered the arena, went over to the commentary desk and asked, so, uh, so how do I win this thing? <laughs> oh, I have to use a ladder? And then he just stood in the ring and just like, there was a ladder lying flat. He pulled up one half and then dropped it and watched it fall and just like did that a few times. It was it was delightful. <laughs> That's such a good bit. Oh my god! Really yeah, it was a it. it was a fantastic show, top to bottom. Uh, my favorite like serious non pre taped goofy brawl. Uh, it was probably Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the women's title, which was a fantastic hard hitting match. Nice. But I would recommend everything on that show, especially the stadium stampede. I I was not even describing half of what happened in that match. I'm gonna. I'm honestly like I don't usually look up uh, wrestling stuff these days because like I don't I don't know how much I will get into it and how much time I have uh, for another uh, extremely in depth passionate hobby I can't talk about with anyone else. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be looking into that and watching it. All right, and until next time. Where can we find you online, Trevor? Oh, I'm uh, at Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N on Twitter. And you can listen to my podcast, uh, which is No Cartridge. You can find that kind of anywhere at this point, I think. I hope. If there's anywhere right. it's not, please at me and tell me to get on it. All right. And you can find me at F-U-C-K-I-N-A-L-P-A-M-A-R-E. And you can find my music at Neil Jacoby, N-I-E-L-J-A-C-O-B-Y dot bandcamp dot com. And until next time, tailwinds.